want to walk you through a text today, and one of the most amazing texts, it's really a monumental moment, it's a monumental discussion that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And we're going to look in our Bibles at Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 13, and uh, they're just going to leave this passage on the screen for me, and we're just going to walk through this passage together for a few minutes, and then we're going to talk about the repercussions of, of this passage. And I just want you to lean in today because what happens here that we're about to read is really the reason why we are all sitting here today. And so Jesus is talking to his guys, and he starts out uh, just, just by saying, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Now remember, Matthew is, is uh, describing this. He's the one writing this. If you're new to the faith, new to the church, there are actually four books that talk about the life and the teachings of Jesus. They're, they're named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And many of them tell the same stories. They just tell it from an eyewitness account, so they tell it in a little bit of a, of a different way. And this is Matthew's account. Matthew was a tax collector and, uh, and kind of an evil guy, and, and then he actually writes one of the books of the Bible. So the good news is, there is hope for you, right? If, if God can use Matthew, God can use you as well. So Matthew tells us that Jesus came to this region, he looks at his disciples, and he asks this question. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, uh, I think maybe you should just try this at, at work tomorrow or, or you know, wherever you are tomorrow. Kind of when it comes time for break during lunch, you know, maybe just look at the 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 employees around the lunch table and go, hey, real quick, I just wanted to have a discussion based on this. Who do people say that I am? What, what, are, they, what are they saying about me? And so we'll, we'll just kind of go around the table and let you describe uh, what they're saying about me. Of, of course, they're probably gonna say, well, we have bad news for you, sir, bad news for you, ma'am. Nobody is saying anything about you. The only person talking about you is you, okay? Uh, but the reason that that Jesus is asking this question is because everybody is talking about Jesus. And everybody then, just like everybody now, has an opinion about Jesus. They either find him irresistible or irritating. They all, there's not much middle ground when it comes to the person of Jesus. So he says, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answer, they say, first of all, they say, some say, John the Baptist. Now that's kind of a weird response because John the Baptist had just been beheaded uh, a few days before this question is asked. So obviously the disciples have some kind of a, you know, uh, or at least the people that are talking about it have some kind of a reincarnation viewpoint, you know, and, and you know, John the Baptist was beheaded. Now he's back again from the dead and, and they continue on with this kind of reincarnation theory. They say, others say Elijah, Elijah had been dead. He was a preacher that had been dead for hundreds of years. And, uh, and so they say, well, you know, Elijah came back to life. Others, uh, and still others, Jeremiah, another dead preacher from a long time ago, or, or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked this question. And look this way, y'all. This is the question. Everybody say the question. He moves, Jesus moves the conversation from who do people say that I am and he makes it an individual question. He says this. He says, who do, he said, what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? By the way, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and, and maybe you're newer to the church or this is your first time in church, or wherever you stand uh, on that, here's the good news for you. Here's the question that you have to wrestle with. You have to wrestle with this question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not is every single thing in the Bible 100% accurate? Does it have, or is it free of error? Not do I agree with the institutional church and the way that we do church today? Not are there problems in the church? Not, you know, what does the church stand for? What, do, I, do I stand get in line with everything that the church stands for? This is the one question that you've got to wrestle to the ground. This one question. Who do you say that Jesus is? If we can get you to answer that question, we can get you to the rest of it pretty easily. So who do you say that Jesus is? And, and Simon Peter answered this. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter says, here it is. Two feet away from me, dressed pretty similar to how I look, 
beard may be the same, you know, looking, you know, not, 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 not that much different than I am. You, Jesus, from Nazareth, uh, the unknown carpenter's son, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. You are the one that we have been waiting for thousands of years to come. You're the one. To which Jesus says, ding, 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 ding. You got the answer right. I don't think Jesus knew family feud. But, uh, uh, but here's what Jesus says. He says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So in other words, Jesus says, hey, you got it right, but there's no way you're not smart enough, Peter, to get that right. He said, you had help. You had help. Heaven helped you with the answer to that question. And, and so he says, and then he says this. He does something really strange if you stop and you think about it. He said, and I tell you that you are Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now, here's the you have to understand. We know him as Peter, but he had never been called Peter until this moment right here. His name was Simon. And so Jesus says, because you got that right, I'm gonna change your name. Kind of an awkward twist in the conversation. And it's not easy to change an adult's name, okay? Anybody, is there anybody in the room that's had a name change? You've actually went through a, a, a name change. Okay, so we've got one. Wow, I wanna hear that story, okay? And, and so I have actually a sister-in-law that changed her name. And it's, it's not an easy deal as an adult to change your name. I mean, there's paperwork involved and there's all kinds of stuff. It's, I mean, first of all, people have to relearn, you know, your name. Just, just start there. And, and so he says, hey, your name's going to be Peter. Now, here's the weird thing about this whole thing is that the name Peter was not common. In fact, it was unheard of during this time. Now it's a pretty common name. But if you look in Greek literature, what you're going to discover is that the name Peter is not ever heard about. It's, it, there's nothing in Greek literature that says that this name was used because here's why. The name Peter, it actually means rock. Okay, so Jesus is, and it's not like a big immovable cliff, you know, large rock. It actually means like a small rock. It means like something you sharpen a knife with. It means like a stone that you would hold in your hand. And so, you know, Jesus says, hey, your name used to be Simon because you got the answer right. Your name's gonna be Peter. In other words, from now on, you're not gonna be called Simon. We're gonna call you Stone from now on, okay? Your name is gonna be Stone. And then he says, and on this rock, this rock. Now, this rock is different than the Peter thing. This rock is different than the stone that Jesus is talking about. The rock that now Jesus moves into, there's two rocks that are in the story. First, the, 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 the Simon Peter rock, the small one, the stone. This rock that Jesus is talking about now is, is the, the Greek word for it, is a huge immovable rock. It is a, a rock that cannot be moved. It's a giant rock. It's a, a rock that's not gonna be easy to move at all. In fact, it can't be moved, okay? He says, on this rock, I will build my, I will, so future tense, I will, it hasn't happened yet, according to the story, it's going to happen, I will build my church. I will build my church, okay? And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not be able to overcome it. In other words, nothing is going to stop this. There is not going to be anything that can stop this church that I am going to build. And so Jesus is making, it's a monumental moment here because this is his declaration moment of the church. Everybody say the church. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're here because of that moment. Yeah, it's true. You're here because of that moment. That's how powerful this moment in time is. And Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church. Now, when we hear the term church, we, we get something different in our minds than what Jesus probably meant during that time. Because the word for it is actually ecclesia. And ecclesia, there's a bunch of different meanings for it, but ecclesia in, in its name actually means to a gathering or a movement or a revolution. It is a, a group of people. The actual original term for it was actually a, a group of people that would come together, citizens that would come together to vote on something. That's where the term ecclesia starts. So Jesus is saying, 
I'm gonna build a movement. I'm gonna build a gathering. I'm gonna build a revolution. I'm gonna build a, a large group of people that are gonna have a new citizenship. He did not say, I'm going to build buildings. Hello? He didn't say, I'm going to start a denomination. I'm, he, he said, I'm gonna build my church and I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. This that we are in right now, this beautiful thing that's getting more beautiful by the week, okay? This that we are in right now, this is not the church. You are the church. We are the church. He is saying, on this rock, I will build my church. In other words, Simon Peter, the rest of the gang, Here's the deal, this is a really big moment. I want you to mark this moment down in history. This is huge. What you just said is huge. And it is so big that I'm going to build my church. Now, when he says build, he doesn't mean deep, he means wide. In other words, I'm going to grow this movement. I'm going to add more people and add more people and add more people. It's gonna grow and 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 it's gonna keep growing and it's gonna keep going on and nothing is gonna be able to stop it and it's gonna grow and it's gonna grow and guess what? Communism isn't gonna be able to stamp it out. Uh, the fractions in the church are not gonna be able to stamp it out. Financial irresponsibility and lack of integrity will not be able to stop the church. Moral failures will not stop the church. Oprah will not stop the church. Come on, somebody. Nothing is going to be able to stop this. The crusades aren't gonna be able to stop the church. Sorry if you love Oprah, by the way. And so uh, nothing is going to be able to stop this. No one is gonna be able to stamp this out. They're gonna try to persecute the church and that's actually gonna make it grow even bigger. And it's gonna grow and it's gonna grow and it's gonna grow and watch this now. Jesus knew when he said this in this moment with his guys you know, surrounded on that dusty road there in Galilee, he knew that a pandemic was gonna get hit in 2020, and guess what he also knew? He knew that a pandemic was not gonna stop the church from growing. It was gonna grow, it was gonna grow, it was gonna grow, it was gonna grow. And here's why it grows. It doesn't grow because we're incredible. It doesn't grow because we got new carpet. It doesn't grow because of, of a, a great pastor. It doesn't grow because of great music. It doesn't grow because of any of that. You know why it grows? It grows on the statement, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. It is all built on that. And he said, Peter, because of little stone, he, he says, guys, look at stone over there, his new name, and, and what stone just said, that statement that he just made, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Because of that, the church is going to be founded and it's going to grow. And I just want you to understand this. Here we are, okay, 2,000 plus years later, millions of people around the world, many of them believe that, that Jesus is the son of the living God. And here's the deal. You can get us all of the different denominations. You can get you know people that do worship differently, people that receive communion differently, people that gather in different ways, people that have different orders of service, Service, uh, people that dress differently, people with different languages and different cultures and, and different things. And you can get all of us into a room. You can get the Presbyterians and the Catholics and the Baptists and the Pentecostals and all of us into a room. And, and there's lots of differences between us, but there's one common denominator that will, that will unite everybody. And that is Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. Nothing has been able to stop it. Nothing has been able to stop the church. I mean, I want you to be excited in this moment because you are a part of a revolution. And, and here's what we gotta understand. In the moment when this is happening, Jesus is looking at his guys and he's telling them, hey, this is going to happen. And you gotta just picture the moment because Jesus is saying, hey, this is gonna be a revolution. It's gonna be a movement. It's gonna be ginormous. It's gonna cross nations. It's gonna cross languages. It's gonna, it's gonna be amazing. And there's 12 of them on a dusty road. And the disciples are going, 
Uh, big words, Jesus. Pretty big words there. I mean, you know, there's 12 of us. Nobody even knows who we are, really. And, you know, nobody knows you really well, Jesus. I mean, you're just an unknown son of a carpenter. and We're a bunch of, definitely a bunch of ragtag group of guys. We got some fishermen. We got tax collectors, you know. We, uh, we got a zealot, you know, in our midst. We got all these, and, and, and man, you know, we're all messed up, and nobody knows you. And so they're, they're kind of going, well, those are pretty, pretty, pretty large words for the 12 of us standing here. But here we are today, amen? Little did they know that God's church would grow and grow and grow and that nothing would be able to stop it. Now, what does that have to do with evangelism? Here's the question that I want to ask you today. What does the corporate church, the big body of Christ, and even the little body of Christ here at Saints Community Church, what does that have to do with individual evangelism? What does the corporate church have to do with individual evangelism? Because you look at the two sides, and you look at one side, you know, of God's going to build his church, and nothing's going to be able to stop it, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow, it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. And then you look at us trying to do our best with individual evangelism, and, and for many of, of us, it's a struggle. It's like, oh, you know, I got to be on mission. I got to reach people, but this is not easy, you know, to share my faith, and oh, this is tough, you know, and now, I know there's some of you in the room that, like, you literally just walk into rooms and people give their lives to Christ, you know? Like, you go to Starbucks and people kneel down and say, what must I do to be saved, you know? You, you get on the airplane and they say, how can I inherit eternal life? Please tell me, sir. And, you know, you've led 16 people to Jesus this week. I know there's a couple of you in the room like that. But for the rest of us, for many of us, that this is an effort and this is hard and this is, you know, can be, this takes every amount of effort that we have. And, and so what does that have to do if you look at the two sides where Jesus is like, this one side is, it seems to just grow no matter what happens. Even when the times get hard, it keeps growing. Even when things seem difficult, it keeps growing. The other side, individual evangelism, huh, struggle, hard, a lot of work, you know, doesn't always seem to happen. Here's what I want you to understand. There is a power of the partnership when the two come together. There's a power and a partnership when God's church comes together with what you are doing individually to reach people for Christ. Now, all of us grew up in different church settings here. Okay, there are some of you that grew up in a church setting where this was not ever even mentioned. Nobody even talked about doing evangelism and reaching people for Christ. And it wasn't that you didn't love people or that you, you didn't care, but nobody ever even challenged you. Nobody even pushed you to do this. They, they didn't preach on the passages that we've been preaching on. They, they just didn't talk about it. It was like, yeah, I come to church and that's an individual thing that I do and then, you know, that's separate from the rest of my, my life. And, and so, and some of you grew up in churches where, Man, you, you loved your, your unbelieving family and friends too much to bring them to your church. In other words, it was like an endurance test every week for you on Sundays, and you're like, I love you too much to pull you into what I have to endure on Sundays. Maybe you grew up in that type of church. Maybe you grew up in a church where the, the pastor or the preacher said, it's all on you. You got to do it all. You, you better lead them to Jesus. You better get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. You better do it all. And then when you've done it all, then they'll be welcome into church. You might have grown, grown up in that kind of a context. So what is, you know, all of us from different backgrounds, some of you that have never been pushed to do individual evangelism, some of you uh, that just, you know, loved the people in your life too much to bring them to the church you grew up in. Others of you that uh, are here and, and you, it was all on you. It was totally your responsibility to do that. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's a different way to do this when, when you are able to partner together with the church, with the corporate body of Christ. When you take your individual efforts and you partner them together with what the church is doing, it's really, really a powerful thing. Now let me say this. This is why we do church the way that we do church. Please look this way. Because I want to help some of you understand. This is why we do church the way we do church. Why do we have greeters that meet people at the door? 
That is for people that when they come in, they feel comfortable when they walk in and even though that, you know, they may have some guards up and some walls up, that, that is so, they, they at least somebody smiled at them at the door through the mask right now and said, hey, welcome, we're glad that you're here. Even if you don't believe yet what we believe, you can still belong, amen? You can still be a part of us. And, and so, so we have greeters at the door. And, and, and why, why do we have things on the screen that happen so people can follow along in the message? Why do we give the same speech for communion every single week? It is for guests who haven't heard that speech yet, who, who don't know what it means to gather with us yet. Why do I introduce myself every single Sunday? Most of you in the room go, Pastor, you don't need to introduce yourself. We all know who you are. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the one, the two, the five, the 10 that came in that don't know me yet. And so we are intentional about the way we do church. I want you to understand that. We are intentional that you can bring family members, friends, coworkers, that you can bring neighbors into this house and that they can be surrounded by the body of Christ trying to do things right, trying to be organized, trying to be clean, uh, trying to you know, get carpet down where people don't trip on the carpet when they come, I mean, just stuff like that. Why do we do those things? Why is it important? Well, friends, it's not for us. It is for us to be able to welcome people in that don't yet know Jesus, amen? We want to make it as easy as possible for people to come in, to feel welcome, to feel love. If you notice, every single week I have a moment in my sermon that's a, a, a little, a minute or two where I talk to the people who don't know Jesus in the room. That's because we want them to know that we know they're in the room and we want them to feel loved, amen? That's why we do church the way that we do it. Because if we do it this way, there all of a sudden evangelism becomes a partnership where the individual partners with the local church and they come together and all of a sudden things begin to happen. And, and I'm just telling you right now, we have been leveraging everything we can for this partnership and watch this, we will continue to leverage every possible tool that we have to build this partnership where individual evangelism is partnered together with the local church. In fact, we are going to talk about an amazing partnership that, that takes place where God can even use something called the internet. Come on, somebody. God can even use something called social media. Now, I know some of you are like, that's the devil's tool, okay? And you are right in some ways. But you know what? God can redeem things, can he? And God can redeem the internet. He can redeem social media. And I want to talk about the partnership that happens even with that, even with the internet, even with social media. In fact, I want to call a friend of mine up here, and her name is Christine. Christine, where are you? Come on up. We could grab a little chair for Christine, and I hear you take this one. Yeah, you take this one, and I'll grab another one. And so, Christine, let's, we're just going to talk for a second, okay? Don't worry about any of them, okay? Uh, and so, first of all, I just want to just let you all know, Christine just took over our social media of our church. Just took over. And... She is doing an amazing job. I am so excited. She's doing an amazing job, and she's got amazing plans, and, and there are some really neat things that are happening uh, when, it, when it comes to the social media of our church. And so I want you to know her. I want you to understand who she is and how important she is. And P.S., she is also a part of Chi Alpha. Come on, somebody. And we love our Chi Alpha students. They are just some of the most incredible people we have uh, at our church. They are making such a huge difference at Saints Community Church. And uh, we met Christine through that partnership with Chi Alpha. And you signed up months ago to be on a, a team, not really even understanding 100% what you were getting into. Uh, and so she's like, man, if I'd have known. <laughs> um, 
But I just want everybody to, to get to know you. And before we even dive into the social media stuff, I just thought it'd be fun uh, for just to talk about a testimony that you shared with me uh, a little bit ago. And uh, so just tell them something amazing that happened to you during our encounter service just last uh, Wednesday. So let's talk about that for a second. Hello. Is this working? Oh, my gosh. Hi. Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Christine. Some know me as Steen because there's a lot of Christines in this world. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so, um, yeah, first of all, um, yeah, our in the encounter service that happened, um, I think it was last Wednesday. Mm -hmm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Time is crazy. How many of you are here for our prayer and worship yeah. night? Okay. Really, yeah. really great time. So, you know, obviously COVID stopped a lot of that in-person worship, that in-person um, experience. And it was a really big challenge to like, you know, just, I know for me, um, it's like, man, what is worship really? You know, it's not about a building like mm -hmm. we were just talking about. So I came, I didn't really have any expectations. I was just, I actually had a really long day and I was like, you know, I got time, why not? So I came and it had been a while since I was by myself as well. Like when I come, I come with my great, like Chi Alpha group over there. And um, it's great to worship with others, but I, I chose to be alone. And um, you know, we're worshiping, we're singing, having a good time. Uh, and they, they did the call for, um, you know, like ask God for healing. Like, this is, this is a moment for you. Just speak to him, use your words, speak to him. And I'm not going to lie. I've been a very big, um, I had been a skeptic in, in my past and I don't know. I was like, I didn't have anything crazy going on, but I did. I was really scared. I hadn't told any of my friends, but earlier that week, um, I was having really, really intense knee pain and, I thought I tore my meniscus. Um, if you don't know, that's like the cushy part in between your knee. And I, 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 was, I was getting really nervous and I was trying not to like tell anybody about it. And then I didn't want to go, <laughs> I didn't want to go get it checked out quite yet. Um, but it was really starting to hurt me that day. And so I was like, God, this is, you know, I, I just want to ask <laughs> for healing genuinely. Um, I, I, you know, there, so much has happened and yeah, I was just honest. I was honest with God and I was like, Lord, I'm just, I'm, I'm just asking you, can you, can you bring this healing, um, just this, this minor thing to me, but, you know, you, you work so, like, you, you are so powerful, Lord, so please, and that was it, and then I started singing again, going crazy, dancing, and just having, having a good worship time, and it wasn't until we got in the car, and I was like, yeah, everybody was like, oh, how was, how, how what did y'all feel about it, and I was like, hey, yeah, I think, like, God did that thing where he healed. <laughs> and I couldn't quite believe it. Y'all, it took a good day. It took a good day and a half for me to go, oh, my God, you did it. Like, uh, I was, I was, because it was, it was hurting. I, if I turned a certain way. It was almost de debilitating. I could walk decently, but it was starting to get bad. And I was like, oh, it's really gone. And so that was just, you know, God moves. Come on, y'all. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so if you're keeping track, we're, this is beginning to be a pattern at our church. We believe that God can heal sick bodies. Amen? And yeah. And so this is beginning, and, and John, we just feel like you just kind of launched us uh, into a realm where this is going to be a regular thing uh, where God heals sick bodies. So I'm excited about that testimony. Let's dive into a little bit about social media. Now, here's what you got to know. A lot of people in the church, and just as a whole, even outside of the church, view social media as a bad thing. It's, it's uh, you know, causes division and, and um, just a lot of nonsense that happens over social media. It's used as uh, a tool that uh, not, is not always for the better, you know, and so, but you and I, you know, we believe that God can redeem social media. We believe he can redeem the internet. And so could you just take a minute and just talk, just kind of inspire us why uh, this matters, why social media matters, even for a church, you know, to leverage people who, who are far from God. Can I stand up? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm shaking a little bit in my boots. So I was like, let me, let me stretch. Okay. So power of social media. In this room right now, I'm looking, there is not one huge majority group of people right now in a certain age group. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. as I'm talking about this, this is not just to millennials. This is not just to Gen Zers, the younger. This is not just to attack you if you don't know what social media is and how it really works. You're just kind of on it because everybody else is. This is for everybody. This, me this message is, it, it can in touch in so many different ways. So I just, I wanted to start in that way. So Let me, let me just clarify. 
If you don't know the term social media, that's Facebook, Instagram, okay, Twitter. Those are social media pieces. TikTok. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so real quick, I know I just told the thing about my knee, but real quick, um, testimony about myself. So I, um, I guess am considered still like a, a, a newborn Christian in a sense or an infant, you know, I'm kind of in those like terrible two era. Like that's where I feel like I am. No, but <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't give my life to Christ until about January, I think it was 2019. And before that I knew who God was. I grew up in a certain other church and I did what I had to do, but it, there was no relationship. It was just more of like, I was doing it cause I was told to. And yeah, that whole thing. Um, I really, really fell off hard when I had started college because I'm a senior in college. I know I look 12, but that's how old I am. Um, so, yeah, but when I started college, I really, really fell off the wagon. And um, I, was, um, I was very hurt. I was very broken. And uh, halfway through that experience, um, I had a mutual friend and um, followed her on Instagram. And so, again, I had not really, like, had a true relationship with this person. I followed her because I thought she was cool and she posted a picture, and it had a caption about, I don't remember the verse, but it was a Bible verse and something else, and I was having a, a, a night. It was, it, was, it was very dark. I was by myself in my room, and I messaged her on a whim, you know, that boldness we've been talking about, and I was like, yo, I would love to, like, sit and read with you. That sounds wonderful. Like, like and again, I'm not involved in the church, so I don't know what compelled me to do it. I now know it's Jesus Christ, but uh, she messaged me back immediately and was like, hey, yeah, that sounds cool. How about you, you would you want to come to church with me tonight? And I was like, mm, a church. I don't know about all I've that. Been, yeah. I, mm, okay. And I was like, okay, this is a hangout opportunity. So I went. It was not um, here. I didn't start here, but that just spiraled into a relationship with Christ. That was the fall of 2018. And, you know, a few months later, I had given my life to Christ and just so much has happened. And so it wasn't until the, like when Pastor Wayne and I were talking about this, I was like, social media changed my life. Mm. Um, and it's really wild to think about. And uh, so, yeah. Um, so wait, I just want to clarify. You actually, the, the kind of the journey that brought you into a relationship with Christ started by an Instagram post. An Instagram DM. A Bible a verse post, that was shared yep. via Instagram. Yep. Come on. How many know if God can use Instagram, God can use anything? Come on. So I, I want you to catch this. This is the power of partnership. It's the power of leve leveraging social media to be used for the gospel. Go ahead. Yeah, so just, yeah, on that same note, here's the big encouragement. So I'm about to hit you with a lot, with a lot, like, keep up with me. <laughs> so first of all, connect with those who are posting. Mm -hmm. connect with people social media has this this rep of, of this bad rep of creating solitude with while you're surrounded by hundreds and even thousands of people we're talking about the capital c church yep. we're talking about evangelism yep. have you ever connected evangelism to what you're doing every day on your facebook yes. on your instagram on your social media yes there are so many stories, mine is one, of people that they were on their, their breaking point. They were either about to completely give up God, they're done, they are depressed from what they're seeing in the news, they are they, they want some people just wanting to completely drop everyone, they're like, this is just too much. I'm sure there's people in here, maybe you checked the news this morning and you were overwhelmed and you're like, I need to get, I need to get myself to church because I can't, I don't even have the power to take in everything I'm seeing. You have the power you have the power in your pockets, in your phone, on these accounts to just share what's happening in your life, what Jesus is doing in your life. We have, we have a bad habit as well of compartmentalizing. It's mm -hmm. like we have our church life, we have our friends, we have our Jesus friends, and then you have everything else in your life. And it sounds like a really big responsibility, but all God is calling you to do is ask a good question. <laughs> is share, share that thing that, that, that hit you this morning in your devotional. Share, share a post on our church's social media. We've been, we've been starting to roll out a few videos of just some really powerful testimonies. You could be the difference in, in somebody's life. Like what God calls you to do and share, 
It seems so trivial, you're just hitting clicks. Sometimes you might only watch 30 seconds of the video and you're like, that's good and I'll share it. <laughs> like, but that share, that could be the difference of somebody leaving, leaving the church forever, turning away from God forever and being like, mm, maybe, maybe there's a little, maybe there's a little hope. Yeah. Maybe there's a little something. And, and so let yeah. me just phrase that. The boldness that it takes to push share in your car or, you know, wherever you're, you're reading Facebook. And I don't want to know where some of y'all read Facebook. But uh, wherever you are, and boom, all you got to do is push share. And that literally could be the difference maker. Right. Okay. Now, let's talk even further about, like, different methods, tools. And, in fact, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As she's talking and walking through this really quickly, get out your phones. I'm giving you permission. Most... Most pastors want you to put your phones away. I want you to get yours out, okay? Get out your phones, and Christine is going to walk us through how to be an effective uh, social media evangelistic, make a difference, sharer, okay? The most effective way that you can do that, uh, she's going to walk us through how to do that. Go ahead. Yes, so um, in, a, in a second, I'm going to have some, yeah, oh, it's up here already. Okay, so first of all, um, this is going to just be direction. So we got to beat the algorithm. If you don't know what I mean by that, Facebook and social media, I mean, Facebook and Instagram, which are the more popular ones specifically, have this algorithm that it shows you what it thinks you want to see. It shows you the popular posts that everybody else is liking. And so sadly, churches are treated kind of like a business page. Yeah, you're just getting all the knowledge today. So churches are treated like a business page. And what that means is they have this thing where it's like it'll push all kinds of social posts, all these things. But business pages have to do a lot more work. The church, obviously, although may seem sometimes to run like a business, we are intentional people. We are human beings. Yep. I'm behind. I'm one of the people behind this page. It's not just this computer <laughs> like oriented thing. So what you're going to do is if you're on Facebook, um, if you go to Saints Community Church, yes, we have a Facebook page if you didn't know. So <laughs> if you go to Saints Community Church's page, you have to go, there's either um, it's on your phone or your computer, there's three little dots it should be when you go to Saints Community Church's page. And um, yeah, you search in the bar, search for our church, those three dots, and you have to go to follow settings. And once you go to follow settings, there's gonna be this opportunity and option to either mute our page and completely never see it. <laughs> I won't judge you, but Jesus will. Um, <laughs> There's gonna be an opportunity where it'll default, so it'll show it maybe sometimes in the midst of your stuff. And then there's favorites, which means whenever Saints is posting things, and this goes for any page, um, whenever it's posting things, it'll be able to pop up on your feed. And you know, we've all had, uh, like a lot of people have had Facebook for a while. Um, and so this, these constant updates like people don't even realize that it's there and when you have like 500 friends even 200 like that's a lot of people to keep up with there's no way to see all the posts at once and so this just really helps you to see and this is the directions on the on your phone um yeah you just search it again and it's three dots and then you go to follow and you switch it um to be able to see first or um yeah whatever the yeah it's it's it has like the little description once you get to the button of like if you want to see it all the time, sometimes or never. So that's like one really, really practical step. So we want to get Saints Community Church in our favorites. Yes. We want to go to see first. Yes. Right? That yes. means that like as soon as that's posted, we're going to see it. Yes. Yep. And just uh, one more thing or yeah, just one last little spiel about it. So some of you could be like, hmm, this is an advertisement. You know, you could be feeling some type of way about it. And that's, that's valid. Um, but... This isn't about numbers, and I just, I really, I really need, a, I need you to hear this. It doesn't matter if we have 10 people on this page, if we have a million people. Uh, this is, this is the, uh, that line between one person seeing one of these posts, one of these videos, a Bible verse, maybe they've never heard of Jesus before, and never ever seeing any type of hope ever on their feed. We went through a year last year where anytime you opened an app, it was just the world going down. And some of those are need, need to be seen. We need, we, we need to be aware of some stuff. 
But also, if you're just so overwhelmed, you want to turn it off. God does not call us to turn, turn him off. Yeah. God never tells us we ever need to turn off. He drives us to want to go to him. You could be the reason. You could be the tool that God uses you um, for to push someone else and be that little blip of hope that they see. And so with that, um, again, it's just, it's so important. Um, and it's something not very talked about. It's, yeah, and... I know I'm saying a lot, and I'm probably going over time. So <laughs> just, uh, yeah. So there was a verse. Some of you have heard it before. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go uh, into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Well, guess what? You sure can do that on your, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, <laughs> on your Pinterest, whatever, whatever you use Guys, that is a tool of evangelism. It does not have to be looked at as a time waster. Yep. It's a tool for God's kingdom. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> it doesn't so, have to be a time waster. It can be a, let's say it together, a tool. Good. So, yeah. Good. Uh, Ten of them believe that. It's good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I just, I want to encourage you. Um, challenge the way you look at social media. Challenge the way you interact with other people. Um, it is, again, it's, it's not your responsibility to to follow through with every single person that ever interacts. You're putting that out there, but the more we're growing as, as a community, we have each other's backs. Yep. It is not, the weight of the world is not on you to handle every single connection. We had a sermon about that a couple weeks ago. You know, you wanna be intentional about who you connect with, but you can do a lot by just, by just posting and having it out there. But we know we can rely on each other to have each other's backs and be uplifting and bringing people in. It's not Good. all on you. So that's let all me, I got. Let me just ask one more question. <laughs> Anything uh, involving Instagram that they can do? Yes. Yeah, so um, I don't have any, uh, any graphics with, with Instagram, but um, Instagram's uh, algorithm is also a little bit different. But the more interactions a post has, the more it'll be shown to people that follow that page. So... Every like that you give, every comment, even if it's just a little symbol, little emoji, one word, all those things help boost the post for others to see it. So, um, so just be encouraged. It's 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 super easy, super simple. Just if you're on if you're on the app, um, the more you interact, the more it'll show up on your account, and the more um, it'll be recommended on other people's accounts awesome. that are following you. Awesome. So. Come on, let's give Christine a hand. As the band comes forward and we get ready to land this, here's what we're doing. We're doing it through social media. We're doing it through our conversations. We're doing it through our boldness. We're doing it through our being fishers of men and women. We are doing evangelism, bold evangelism. And one of the things that you got to understand is here's a really simple way that we're doing it. We're just saying, hey, come and see. Just come and see. Come on, everybody say that. Just come and see. This is a, one of the ways that Jesus did it. It's one of the ways that, that he actually called people to him. He said, come and see. So when you're posting something on Facebook, on Instagram, you're just, you're just really saying, hey, just come and see. Just look at this. Just, just come and see. Listen to this. John 1, 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was, found, was from the town of Bethsaida. So were Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. The prophets also wrote about him. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Of, of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. Philip just looks at Nathanael. Nathanael's got these questions. He says, man, I'm not gonna answer all your questions. I don't even have all the answers to your questions. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. Come and see, man. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. We don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to have uh, answers to all the objections. We don't have to have a, a master's degree in theology and, and the philosophies and everything down. You don't have to be able to explain contextually every Bible verse that's in the Bible. What you have to do is say, hey, to your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, I don't know all that. I don't have all the answers, but just come and see. Just come and see what God's doing. Just come and see who Jesus is. Because here's what we have learned. We have learned that when we create environments that are where the church is actually functioning as the church, 
when it is at its best, there is nothing better to get the walls of an unbeliever to come down further than when people see the church at its best. And so what are we saying? Come and see, come and see the greeter at the door. Come and see, you've never met more type A friendly personalities in your life than you have at our church. Come and, come and listen to the great music that's not only great music, you're gonna feel something, you're gonna feel the presence of God. Come and hear a message that's relevant to your life. Come and, come and bring your children. By the way, we open up our varsity room again next Sunday. Come, come bring your kids. They're gonna be loved. They're gonna be begging you to come back next week. Come to my small group. Come see how people love each other and care for each other in a way that you've never known before. Just come and see. We understand the partnership of creating environments where people that don't know Christ, that are far from God, feel the love and feel the welcome of Jesus and they, they're with the body of Christ and when you bring them in, you're just saying, just come and see. Just come and see. So here's the equation. Here's what I want you to write down today. Individual responsibility plus healthy church environments equals effective evangelism. Let me say it again. Individual responsibility, that means you're not off the hook, okay? You've, you're still called to share the faith, to share the good news. You're still called to talk about what God's doing in your life. You're still called to share that Facebook post, to reshare that Instagram post. You're still called to bake that, that, that pie and, and bring an invite card to your neighbor. You're still called to make that phone call to your lost son or daughter and get them to church on Easter. You're, you still bear a responsibility, but when you partner individual responsibility with a healthy church environment, it will equal effective evangelism. Here's an easier way to say it. You plus us equals effective evangelism. You individually plus us corporately equals effective evangelism. So here's some couple questions for you today. Here's one. Are you investing? And are you inviting? Are you leveraging your relationships? Are you spending time, intentional time, with the unbelievers in your life, family members and friends and coworkers? And, and then are you figuring out when to strategically invite them? By the way, Easter is the easiest time to get them to come to church. So are you investing and are you inviting? Number two, are you serving strategically and helping us create those environments? Here's the deal. I need your help. We need your help. My neighbor is coming for Easter that we have been inviting and inviting and inviting. She has said that she's coming. Come on, somebody. I need your help. I need you at the door to let her know how, how loved she is just by, by smiling at her and holding the little sign outside of the door. I need you to help in the parking lot so she'll know where to park her car. I need you to help get her to her seat. So, because she's going to be new in the building and she doesn't know how to do this and she doesn't know where to sit. She's not used to a church environment. I need your help when people bring their kids in on Easter. I need you to, to work in the kids' room so, so that the kids will feel loved. I need your help to work the live production and to push the slides so they can sing along because they don't know the songs. Are you strategically helping us leverage our environments? We, we need your help. And if you're here, and I want you to hear me, and please know that what I'm about to say is bathed in love. I love you. I love you. I love not only this church as a whole, I love you as an individual. Please listen to your pastor today. I love you. And this is said out of a heart of love. Please do not uh, take this the wrong way, because I'm not trying to be harsh. But if you're here today, and you say, I'm not gonna do that, pastor. I'm just telling you. 
I, I'm not gonna leverage my relationships. I'm not gonna live on mission. I'm not ever gonna do evangelism. I'm not gonna invite people to church. I don't even believe in that. I don't think it should happen. I keep those two worlds apart from each other. I've just got, you know, I've got my row. I've got my system. I, you know, we go to the same place for lunch every week. And this is just what I do. I just come to church. It's always been a part of my life. I'm not ever gonna do what you're talking about. I'm not gonna do evangelism. Or if you're here and you're saying, I'm not even going to think about, you know, providing those environments. I'm not going to be a part of that. I don't park cars, Pastor. I don't greet people, Pastor. I don't work with bratty kids, Pastor. I don't do that. That's not something I do. I've got my row. I've got my system. I've got my church. This is what I do. Please listen to me closely. If you're here and you're saying, I'm not doing that, I'm not gonna invest and invite people to come to church. I'm not gonna live on mission. I'm not gonna be a part of volunteering to create those environments. Please listen to me closely. You can find another church. And I promise you, there are plenty of other churches where you won't have to do either one of those things. I can give you a list. In love, you come into my office this week. I'll type out a list for you. I'll give you the list. I'll put the addresses on. Okay? You'll know right where to go. I'll even, you know, print out GPS directions for you. But if you're going to be a part of Saints Community Church, we live on mission. We are here to reach this community. We are here to reach your family, your friends, your coworkers. We are here to reach the people far from God. And if you're going to be a part of this community, you must live on mission and you must help us create environments where unbelievers feel welcome when they come to church. I say that I love, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. But this is why this church exists. We're gonna grow and we're gonna grow and we're gonna grow and we're gonna grow so much that we have to add a service. And we're gonna grow so much that we have to add a third service. And we're gonna grow so much that you're gonna be so overwhelmed. We want you to, to serve in one. We want you to come to one. We're gonna grow and we're gonna plant new locations because we're gonna reach new neighborhoods in the New Orleans area. We're gonna grow and we're gonna live on mission and we're gonna live on vision, on vision and we're gonna grow because we collectively take the gospel seriously and we understand that Jesus has placed us here to change our communities our families our friends our co-workers our neighbors and we're going to volunteer to create those environments and we are going to come together and leverage our relationships to invest and invite people to come and see what God is doing amen come on amen are you with me come on are you with me I could look around the room today and I could tell you the stories of people that I know personally. You're in the room because somebody invited you to be here. Somebody that worked with you. Somebody that just cared enough to say, hey, do you wanna come? Somebody that shared a Facebook post that, that, just, that, that put, you pushed the share button and then they came because of that button. Somebody that you, 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 you're related to. Somebody that you were on a soccer team with. You're here today because somebody cared enough about you. And so help us invest and invite. Help us volunteer in, on a team to be able to, to create those environments for Jesus. Amen? I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads across this room.